0: is good. Are we ready for the word of God? Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. That's the right answer. Excellent. <laughs> Christ, let's just pray. We'll get into the word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the for the Bible. Lord, it's, it's a gift to us. And I pray, Lord, that Lord, you would just speak through it this morning. Lord God, that Lord, we'll have open hearts this morning. Lord, it's, it's the word of God. is sown as a seed. Lord, it will produce a harvest in us. It will change thinking. It will change our hearts. Lord, it will produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times, Lord, what was sown in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God is good. So, those of you who were here last week know that we're, we're starting, uh, we've just started a brand new series. Who was here last week? Put your hand up here last week. I know we've got a lot of visitors this morning. There's a quite a few of you. So, we started a brand new series which is going to be running right up till Christmas or pretty much. Near to Christmas. I've mentioned the C word for <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> will come before we know Anyway, as it always does. Anyway, um, and what we're talking about is, is family church values. So our values uh, as a church, these to be values very much for, for lots and lots of different churches. They're certainly not unique to us as a church, <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, but these, these, these are things that we, uh, are kind of our cultural values, and we believe it's really important as a church to define what those things are. They're very much biblically based Um, But to define kind of who we are as a church body, who we are as a church family, you know, everything, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we talked about this kind of briefly last week, just about everything has a culture, you know, whether it's a family or a marriage has a culture, uh, a family has a culture, a school has a culture, a workplace has a culture, and and I'm sure you know that, that to be a reality. And what we've talked about is defined or default is that in life, we can just allow those things to default, and marriage is a great example of that. You can allow, just if you just kind of hope for your best in your marriage, you're not going to have the best marriage you can possibly have. Is that true? And i discovered that <laughs> that's reality, right? Okay? Because what will happen then is you'll just have a default culture. Something will just happen. It will just kind of happen by itself. But will it be everything that, that God would necessarily want it to be? Well, probably not. So it, it, as married people, what we have to do is, is be intentional about that and define No, this is what I want our marriage to look like very much based on what the Bible says, of course, you know, about putting each other first and laying down your life for the benefit of the other. And all those kind of things are important um, in a marriage. And a marriage is just one context. It's true in all relationships and, and all, kind of, all kind of cultures. That Everything has a culture, but, but there's a big difference between just allowing a default culture to something to happen by itself or to be intentional about it and defining what you want it to look like. This is true. You, know, so you bring up kids done dedication this morning. What do you want your family culture to look like? Don't just let it happen. Don't let your kids set the culture either. I'm not saying it in any kind of harsh way, but I'm serious about that. Don't let your children set the culture. If, if you're a parent this morning, as parents, we set the culture. That's how it works. We're, we're the adults, and that's how it works. And like I said, I don't mean that in any kind of harsh, harsh way, but that's, that's the reality. That's our responsibility as parents to set the culture of, of our home. This is, what, no, this is what we want it to look like. Our kids aren't saying, setting anything. And I don't know, at I would agree, Jack's out of that that's what we have tried to do very much as parents. It's, at least he's now an adult, is it? out itself so okay <laughs> awesome you know but we can be defined or default about it so is it's, it's a church we want our church culture to be very much defined not just to be default just kind of well would see whatever will be will be in case there are no no let's define it what do we want our church culture to look like but obviously very much based on not just come up with good ideas but very much to be based on biblical principles of course but talk about our 12 family values so I said last week these aren't kind of in order of importance other than the one we're going to talk about today. Okay. And, and this is a very much central to the culture of who we are as a church and, of course, all churches, is that we are very much Christ-centered. So the, others, the other 11 won't be in order of importance, apart from this one, okay? but, but this one absolutely is. That We are Christ-centered. It's interesting this has fallen on the week that the Queen's yeah, passed away, and I'll say some stuff about that in a, in a moment because she lived a very much a Christ-centered life we'll talk about that in a second so as a church we are christ-centered so as a church we're committed to keeping jesus and his kingdom at the center of our lives and our church that that's very much central to who we are can i have my phone back i'm not gonna know what time is otherwise thank you I'm sorry about the alarm going off. I'd literally set for the minute silence. I'd set, <laughs> Lisa's like, just set a timer for a minute. I didn't realize an alarm was going to go off after the minute. So. Anyway, that's what, that's what happened. There we go. Anyway, so we're Christ-centered. We're committed to keeping Jesus and his kingdom at the center of our lives and a church. We should understand as Christians that we're part of a kingdom. You know, We live in the United Kingdom. We now have a king for the first time, in, for most of us, the first time we've ever known a king in our kingdom. You know, we live in a kingdom. It should be very easy for us to understand this, this principle. We keep Jesus and his kingdom. Let's talk about all that Jesus taught about his kingdom, his, his teachings. You know, the Bible says we've been brought out of the dominion of darkness. It's not the kingdom of darkness. Satan is not the king of anything. He'll pretend he's the king, but he's not the king of anything, right? The Bible says it doesn't call it the kingdom of darkness. We've been brought out of the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son, of his love. Amen? That's what's happened if you're a believer this morning. That's what's happened. you brought out of one kingdom, uh, one dominion, sorry, and brought into the kingdom of Jesus. It's just like there's a natural, we live in a natural kingdom, we have a natural king, King Charles. Spiritually, the Bible talks a lot about a kingdom, and Jesus is described as a king of kings and a lord of lords. Okay, so we commit to keep Jesus in his kingdom at the end of our lives. So here's a kind of a starting point. John fourteen six. Jesus made these incredibly profound words. but well, they're all profound, except from the mouth of Jesus. But John 14, verse 6, Jesus said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These are fundamental to Christianity, aren't they? Fundamental words to, to Christianity. Is, is that Jesus, what Jesus said. He, didn't say, he, just, he did not say, I am a way, I'm a truth, and I'm a life. He's, he's not an optional thing. Well, this, this might be good if you follow this. No, no, Jesus was very clear on this. He said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There's no other, if, you're going to, if you're trying to get to God, there's no other way you're going to get there except through me. It's the, only, it's the only way you're going to find it. You know, and those words are just, just, just so profound. I think I, for, for me, they, they, they resonate throughout the last 2,000 years. You know, Since they've been said, this is still in reality. In, in this world, the world that's lost its way, has no idea what truth is, and is trying to find life. This is the answer. Amen? Amen. That's, that's my view as a, as a, as a church minister. Is that this is still the fundamental truth. That Jesus is the way, and this world that's lost its way. In this world where everybody's got their own version of truth, you know, my truth has become a whole term in itself, hasn't it? Everyone's got their version of truth. Well, if 7 billion people have got a different version of truth, how in the world do we even know what truth is? right? If truth is just someone's opinion, well, that doesn't really help anybody. So what Jesus was saying, oh, I am the way. If you want to find the way, it's through me. If you want to know what truth is, what true, absolutely pure, holy truth is, that's through me. And if you want to find life, and Jesus talked about life and life to the full, if you want to find life, you're only going to find it in Jesus. Amen. No one comes to the Father except through me. So these words kind of resonate throughout the, same two, throughout the last 2,000 years. So this is kind of our starting point, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Hebrews 13, verse 8, the writer of Hebrews said this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So those fundamental truths of who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life, hasn't changed. Amen. He's all the same yesterday and today and always will be. He's always been the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And always will be. Praise God. You know, this is an unchanging foundation. At Colossians 2, verse 6 to 7, the Apostle Paul wrote this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in strength in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness so we've had that starting point of Jesus the way the truth and the life for those of us as as believers he's a a fundamental truth and he doesn't change the same yesterday today and forever he's still the way the truth and the life amen but then we're encouraged by the apostle Paul here to to live our lives in him so what what we're talking about what does it mean to live a Christ-centered life what does it actually look like in reality to keep him at the center what I believe it means, as is, is, is a pastor, is, is it means to keep it central in every area of your life. Now, if you could kind of divide your life up into, I don't know, use the example of like a, of a pizza. Kind of anyone like pizza? <laughs> not everyone. from my daughter. She hates pizza. <laughs> Are you really a teenager? I don't know. Anyway, she doesn't like pizza. Anyway, but to think about a pizza and kind of the slices of a pizza, we well, sliced into eight or whatever, and that's a bit like our life, isn't it? It's kind of you could put it up into diff- cut it up into different kind of slices. But if you want to live a Christ-centered life, it means putting Jesus at the center of kind of all of that. Every kind of slice of your life. You've got your marriage over here, and, and you've got your finances, and, and you've got your work life, uh, and, you know, and you've, got your, you've got your family, and kind of all those different things, your sexuality, all those different parts of who you are, what makes up you, your, your emotions, your, your soul, which is what the Bible describes as your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you want to live a Christ-centered life, what it means is putting Jesus at the center of all of those areas of your life. Amen? Now they might be making some changes. That's that's a reality. <laughs> for those of you who've been Christians for a while, you'll know that is a reality. That will mean changing some stuff. I mean, Jesus changed some stuff, absolutely. But that's what it means to live a Christ-centered life for all areas of your life to put Jesus at the middle of it, not just so kind of like on the periphery. Well, it would be nice, you know, or, or to be a Sunday Christian as like well, we kind of meet Jesus on a Sunday and then forget about him for six days. That's not living a Christ-centered life. Okay? I'm not judging anyone. I mean, that's just reality, isn't it? That's not living a biblical Christ-centered life. If we just, just live for Sundays it's about keeping it at the center of everything and it will make changes. it will affect your marriage it, it will affect it will affect your finances. finances is huge It absolutely will affect your finances if you keep Jesus at the center of it all and, and putting him first in that we've got time to expand on all those things, but they are just examples of that. How do we keep Jesus at the, at the center? It's kind of to come back to the queen as I said it, it's not, It's you know it's interesting it's happened on this on this days as we're talking about being christ centered you know, the queen, she, her life was so well lived. You know, you kind of, you, you kind of hear all these, and I'm not saying, she, of course she wasn't perfect. Of course that's true. Okay, she wasn't, she wasn't perfect. But you kind of see all the eulogies, all these things kind of said, said this week, and it's just example after example of just what an exemplary life she lived and how she just got things right. She always got, got the big calls right. And, you know, and, and the fact that she lived a life so well was not coincidence. That's what I want to say on that. It's not coincidence. Not she just, just did well or made some good, just made some lucky decisions, oh, that turned out for the best. No, the reason for that is because Christ was the center of her life. She intentionally chose, and not even because she, she had to, of course, her responsibilities, head of the Church of England other stuff, but not because she had to do those things, but because she chose to live a Christ-centered life, to put Jesus at, at the center of all that she did and all that she was. Now, in her... In her final Christmas Day message, this is 2021's Christmas Day message, which obviously we didn't know was going to be our final one, but ended up being the last one. She said this, it's, it's, this simplicity, sorry, it's this simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that form the starting point of the life of Jesus. A man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning. As the Carol says, and it's a little, a little town of Bethlehem, as the Carol says, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. That's so what she said Christmas last year in her speech. Now she, she was totally open about the fact that Jesus' teachings were the very bedrock of her faith. Amen? You know, Jesus himself, and we have not want time to look up the scriptures on this, but he, he, he tells this parable about what do you build your life upon. And he said well, you can build your, you kind of use the analogy of a house, and he said you can build a house on sand or you can build a house on, on a rock. Now I'm sure we all live in houses, right? Anyone not living in a house, <laughs> right? And a house that has good, good foundations. This is the analogy that Jesus was talking about. If a house doesn't have foundations when you know, when storms and, and wind and, and waves, waves come, uh, I know someone in our family who's having an issue with their house and their foundations because of a tree, a tree next door and the roots are starting to ruin the foundations. So foundations are so, so important in a house. So this is what Jesus was talking about. You can either build it on a rock or you can kind of build it on sand because everyone in, in our lives, we're going to f- face storms, we're going to face circumstances, we're going to face difficulties, which Jesus described as storms and wind and waves. But when those things come, does, does your kind of your life, does it stand? Or if you kind of build your, build your house on shifting sands, then it's just going to collapse, isn't it? They have to have a strong and a firm foundation. So, Jesus talked about that. And, and this is what, what, what the Queen was talking about in this context about what she built her life upon. She, what Jesus said if you, if you build my life on, on Him and on His teachings, then your life will be like a house that's been built on a rock, a short and firm foundation. And that's what the Queen said, have been the bedrock of my faith, Jesus and His teachings. So, kind of my, my challenge and question to you this morning is what are you building your life upon? What are you building your life upon? Now going back to dedications this morning, what we've been encouraging to do and what Josh and Leanne will do as parents is to encourage their children to build their life upon the rock. That's the best that you can possibly do as parents. Encourage your kids to build their life upon the rock and model that, obviously. Model that yourself, but also just encourage them to live their life upon the rock. Amen? You know, this world is, this world is shifting sands, isn't it? As I said earlier... As a pastor, I felt like so many times I've stood at the front and said, "Well, that's been another big year and another big week in the life of, life of the country." And obviously, this has been monumental week. But so much stuff, you know, with COVID, all that kind of stuff, all the economic stuff that's been going on. The world is the world is shifting sands, and, probably, and more shifting sands than this. I think it's probably than it's ever been. Everything is just shifting everywhere. You can't really find, you can't find anything solid <laughs> to kind of stick kind of like to, to, to stick to, to, to build your life upon. And that's what Jesus was talking about. There's only one short and firm foundation, that's him. Amen? So John 15 verse four, Jesus said this, "Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me." Remain in me as I also remain in, you, remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So you may be thinking, well, what's that all about? Branches, fruit, what's that about? Why is Jesus talking about fruit trees? What's that about? Okay, so what, what this is talking about is about, is that God wants us to live a fruitful life. That if, you're, if you're a believer this morning, then God wants you to be fruitful. God wants to do good things through your life. And Jesus said the key to that is to remain in him, is to, is to remain in him. Jesus desires for you to be fruitful. And maybe you're feeling that you're not living a very fruitful life. For what I'd encourage you to do, or fruitful life of God, what I'd encourage you to do is make sure you're remaining in God. Make sure you're remaining in him. Make sure you're not getting distracted or you've kind of gone off elsewhere. Now, the kind of analogy I, I kind of like with this is, is I mean, Jesus' analogy is great about the vine, but okay, this is the way I understand it, okay? It's just think about like a Christmas tree. I don't know if any of you ever get a real Christmas tree at Christmas. I know there's a lot of plastic ones and artificial ones, and some of them look pretty, pretty real these days. Okay, but if you ever get a real Christmas tree, obviously they, 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 they cut it down, and then you stick it in a pot, and you still have to water it and stuff. But the reality is that tree is dying. Is that true? That's true, isn't it, right? It's not, it's not in the ground. It's not, pl- not planted. The reality is that tree is dying. And after probably, you have to make sure you don't get a tree too early because by the time it gets to Christmas, <laughs> there's probably going to be no needles on it. That's the reality, isn't it? You get, if you get it like four weeks before Christmas, you might not have any needles left by Christmas Day. Because the reality is that tree, that tree is dying. And, it will, and, it will, and after a few weeks, it will, it will start to, uh, needles will start to fall off, it will start to go brown, et cetera, wouldn't it? But it looks really nice, isn't it? It looks green. You think, well, this, this tree looks beautiful. It looks amazing. We're going we're to decorate it. But the reality is that tree is already, at that point, is already starting to die already starting to decay it'll look nice for a while but it's already starting to die and to decay and that'll just take a matter of weeks now the reason for that of course is there's no root right there's no, there's no root it's not not in soil the roots have been cut off in order to to kind of give you the christmas tree in other words it's, it's dying because it's been removed from its source of life is that true right that's the reality that's what's happened it's been removed from its source of life and of course with a, with a tree or a plant it gets its roots gets its sustenance uh, through the soil and through rain and soaks it up through the roots so it dies because it has no no roots and this is what jesus was talking about talking about here you know, some of us we may even look and this is challenging stuff but some of us we may even look good great on the in, on the outside but we're not being fruitful for god but the reason for that is because we're not rooted in jesus because we're not remaining in him we might even look great but the reality inside inside things are not great because you're removing yourself from the life source which is jesus himself no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, is what Jesus said. So what does remaining in him actually actually mean? What does that look like? You know, what it means in, in every area of our life, to, to make a choice, I and mean, this is all about being intentional, making good choices, about remaining in him. So one example of that would be remaining in his word. You know, making this book central to this incredible book, and central to our lives amen as jesus said if you obey my word and obey my teachings your life will be like a house built on the rock amen it's an incredible book that we're, we're blessed with And one of our family church values we come to on a later week is about being a bible believing church we believe what it says we believe everything it says we don't take bits out we don't add to it we don't misinterpret it we it is what it is it's the word of god and some of it's challenging some of it's some of it's you know it's all amazing it's all amazing it's inspired word of God and some of it's challenging some of it will change us and it's all written for different reasons but we believe it's the word of God amen and we'll do a whole week we'll do a whole message on that about being a Bible believing church what it means let's be people who remain in his word amen and let's be people who put that into practice you know in the book of James it talks about it talks about people who, who, who read the Bible but basically don't do what it says and he, he, taught, he kind of uses an analogy of it's like people who, who look in a mirror and straight away they forget what they look like. And, and James is basically saying, well, that's pointless because then, you know, why are you even doing that? Because if we, if we read the word but then don't apply it to our lives, it's kind of just, you're just wasting your time. I know it's a bit, a bit blunt, but that's just reality. Because unless we apply it to our lives, unless we allow it to change us, amen, then we're not going to be fruitful and be all that God desires us to be and to change. Amen? amen. Need to be people who remain in prayer. This in constant communion with God, Jesus, Jesus modeled that so well. And over and over again, his disciples would be like, where's Jesus gone? The crowd would be like, Where, where's Jesus gone? And it's, it's, he'd gone up a mountain, he'd gone up somewhere to pray, just to kind of get on his own. It was so important in, in the life of Jesus, just to remain in prayer in constant communion with, with, with God. This should be a very easy principle to understand. It's a it's the principle of any relationship, isn't it? It's, it's, it's connection and, and communication. Now, to go back to a marriage analogy, I would say as a pastor, the biggest, the most important thing in marriage is communication. Absolutely. If you ask me the top three things that are most important in marriage, I'd say communication, communication, communication. They'd be my top three. There you go. Right? That's true. Right? And any relationship works on that basis. If you had, if you had, a, had a marriage or it could be a, a different analogy, with a parent and a child. If they never ever spoke to each other, well, that's kind of an odd... Everyone agree? That would be an odd relationship, right? And we're in a relationship. We love each other, but we don't ever speak to each other. Well, I... My view as a pastor like, there's something odd. <laughs> there's something weird going on here. This is not everything it should be. This is not, this is not healthy. You haven't agreed, right? Yeah. So we should understand this principle. That's how any relationship works, isn't it? it has got to be communication. Kind has got to be communication there. And it's the same with our relationship with, with God. There has to be communication where we spend time praying and, and we allow just God just to speak back into our lives as well. So remain in his word, remain in prayer, and remain in his presence. So allow him to speak into our lives. And allow him to change you. you know, if you're, if you're too busy to spend time with God, what I say to you as a pastor is you're too busy. I'm not being harsh. I'm just, I'm just being real. Right? And I've had to have these same conversations with myself. <laughs> I'm on it, just being honest about it. If you, if you feel too busy to spend time with God, then you're just too busy. You need to rest- you need, I'm, I'm serious. You need to restructure some stuff. You need to restructure some stuff know, life and get some things changed around and I know of course we are, uh, many of you have got young kids and married and we've got responsibilities and you know, men and women normally both work these days, it's just a reality and so life can be incredibly busy, that's just, a, that's just facts but if you're too busy for God then you're just too busy and you need to restructure some stuff Blessed be people who, who remain in his word, who read it, apply it to our lives, remain, remain in prayer, that, that communion with him, and, and remain in his presence, allowing him to also speak back into his life. Stay, stay close to him. As we stay close to Jesus, as we're Christ centered, we, we allow him to rub, rub off on us. It's like when you spend, spend a lot of time with someone, you, they start to rub off on you. That can either be positive or negative, can't it? You know, we hear about, hear about people who get in with the wrong crowd, don't they? And it rubs off on them, doesn't it? It's just, just a matter of time. And if you get in with the right crowd, it rubs off on you, but in, but in a good way. So we need to spend time with Jesus. Be Christ-centered. Spend time in his presence. Allow him to rub off on us. Amen? To become more like him. That, that Remember, God's goal for your life, and of course there's loads of things he wants you to do, and he wants you to witness and, and, and witness to others and to be a, uh, you know, a great example for him, and all those things are true. But ultimately, God's, exa- God's uh, sorry, purpose for you is to become more and more Christ-like. Ultimately, that's his purpose, is to become more and more like Jesus. Amen? So remember God, God wants us to be fruitful, You know in Galatians five twenty two, we haven't got time to look at it all in detail this morning, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. And what the fruit of the spirit is, and when, so when we remain in Jesus, when we remain connected with him, when we don't get distracted, and when we set aside set aside time and make it a priority in our life to keep in the center of every area, when we remain in prayer and remain in his word, remain in his presence, allowing him to rub off on us, then that produces fruit in us. And the Apostle Paul, he describes it, and it's just it's incredible. He talks about these nine different fruit, or nine that make up one fruit, nine kind of segments of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And those are and basically just a description of Jesus. You know, he's full of love, he's full of joy, he's always full of peace, incredibly patient and an unbelievable self-control. <laughs> he's always kind, always good, always faithful. It's basically a description of Jesus. right? Remember, this is God's goal for you, is to become more and more Christ-like more like jesus but that's how he does it is producing the fruit of the spirit in us but produce that fruit in us we have to remain in him amen and going back to the queen of a successful life as i said it wasn't just coincidence she made a great choice on a daily basis to remain in him and that's what produced great fruit in her life amen so let's be a christ-centered people and this is challenging you this morning i'd encourage just to do something about it no one should go away condemned if you go away condemned thinking I'm having a <laughs> go at you or whatever, you've totally missed the point of the message if you think that. I okay? just want to kind of correct that. But let's do something. About, let's be intentional. Remember, let's, be, let's, let's define this culture. What do we want our relationship with God to look like? You know, it's totally up to us what we want our relationship with God to look like. God does not need to do anything. Jesus said on the cross it is finished, it is done, it is over. Jesus done and of course it's still, God still blesses us and all those kind of things that he still does, absolutely. But in terms of everything kind of God's side in dealing with the relational side, he's already done it, amen? Right? He's done it, it's over, it's done, it's complete. You know, it's what we want our relationship with God to look like. It's, it's totally on us. What do we want that to look like? Amen? If we want to be close to God, well, let's choose to be close to God. God is not God isn't gone anywhere, right? Jesus promised that he'd never leave us or forsake us. Amen? Let's remain in the vine. Be Christ-centered in every area of our lives. And just finally, as we start to come towards a, a close, you know, we've talked about this, obviously, our, our cultural values as a church, of us as a church body, but also just uh, for us just all together, kind of corporally as a church body, for Jesus to be the center of our church. Amen? Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22, Apostle Paul says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what what Paul's talking about here is using the analogy of a house similar to what Jesus did about building a house on the rock. a rock. He uses an analogy of a house again, or a building, and that kind of all of us together corporately will all make up a, a building, and, and that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of that building. And the role of a cornerstone in, in a building, particularly in, in older buildings, was just kind of to hold the whole building together. It was the most important stone in, in, in the whole building. would hold the whole thing together, it would tie the whole thing together, you know, over the over the summer holidays, we went to a few historical buildings. That's the joy of being married to a history teacher, which is <laughs> awesome. No, my kids love it, and I love it as well. Um, we go to a lot of historical historical places, and you go to some of these old buildings. I, I, I genuinely can't get my head around how they built them. Does anyone else ever think that? You know, you go to those really old. We went to was it Arundel Castle wasn't it, not that long ago. You know, it's like nearly a thousand years old. I we went to Windsor Castle a few years ago, and, and you kind of look at these places. And how in the world did they had no? They kind of had no proper scaffolding. They had no cranes. How many people died, you know, kind of making this? You, know, you go somewhere like Salisbury Cathedral. How in the world did they? <laughs> how did they put that spire up there? How did it get there? You know what I mean? Even even in today, it would be a huge engineering feat, wouldn't it? Yeah. A massive feat of engineering. But how did they do it when they had no, no cranes, nothing, nothing mechanical? That's just it's just incredible. But this is why the cornerstones were so so important in a the building. They had to be built properly. You know, kind of houses that are built these days, will they be there in a thousand years? Well, that's debatable, isn't it? <laughs> but the stuff they built a long time ago is kind of standing the test of time. But this is why the cornerstone is so so important in old buildings, because it would tie the whole building together. It was the foundation stone that would make sure it stayed stayed strong. And so, this is who Jesus is, and this is what Paul was talking about here—is kind of all of us together, we make it, we make up a building for God. I'm talking about a physical building here. Obviously, we're talking about a spiritual building. Make up a spiritual building for God—a a temple. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is what binds it all together. That Jesus is the very head of the church. Amen? Obviously, a lot's been said this week about, you know, because obviously the, the king is, the, as the queen was, the, the new king is the head of the Church of England. And I'm sure Charles will say it as well, but the queen certainly would have said it, is that Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? Including the Church of England. Amen? That Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? It's Jesus who said "Who would build his church and even the gates of Hades would not be able to overcome them. That even the gates, even hell itself, cannot stop the purposes of God in building his church. Amen? Amen. So, so we should always understand this, that, that he is the head of the church. And this should be the very fabric of our, of our culture, is that we endeavor to ensure that Jesus is always at the very center of our church life. Amen? Here's just some examples. Kids' church would be a great example. We we're blessed with loads of kids in this, in this church. We've got a very high ratio of kids to adults i blessed to have loads of kids, and that's awesome. But our kids' church, we want Jesus to be at the very centre of all that they do. Of course they do fun stuff, and they do colouring in, and all that kind of stuff, and, and as, as they should. But the, Jesus is the very centre of it all. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Yeah, in, in our worship, and I praise, and in our worship that Jesus is the very centre of it all. It's not, it's not about us. And of course God does minister to us as we worship. That's absolutely true. Of course that's true. But ultimately, worship is about God. Amen? Worship about giving him all he's, he's he, he deserves, giving him all the honor and glory that, that is his. You know, what we do is in our discipleship, and we'll talk more about that in a future week, because, again, that's another one of our values, that we're disciples. We understand what it means to be a discipled people. That we're, that we're growing in God. That Again, Jesus is the very center of that. We're not just trying to work harder. You know, be, be, you know that's, not, that's not what the Christian life is. It's not just trying to try a bit harder. Try a bit better. That's totally missing. It has to be the Holy Spirit doing. It. it has to be God changing us and allowing Him to change that, that in us, Amen. But Christ to be the very centre of our discipleship, our worship, our kids' church. We could talk about. We could talk about all sorts of stuff that we do. Our, our connect groups, all stuff that we do. That Jesus is the very centre of it all. That's our. That's our. That's our goal. That's what we endeavour endeavour to do, Amen. And I just want to kind of uh, just as we come to a close, just just finally, just just go back to the Queen again. So I mentioned this in a, this was in a 2014 Christmas day message I mentioned this in a statement I read earlier but she said this for me the life of Jesus Christ the prince of peace whose birth we celebrate today is an inspiration and anchor in my life a role model of reconciliation forgiveness he stretched out his hands in love acceptance and healing yes yeah, so Jesus totally understood what, what uh, sorry the queen totally understood who Jesus Jesus was amen it very much was a, was, was a saviour in the a, in a life of the Queen and she understood his forgiveness. She, she talked there about he was a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness, of, of love, acceptance and healing. And what I want to say to all of you this morning is you can know that, that, that same faith, that same foundation that the Queen had to be able to say those words. You can know that in your own life. You can know reconciliation, you can know forgiveness, you can know love, you can know acceptance and you can know healing. And in this world that's that, that shifting sands, everything's, everything's changing. You know, who knows what's coming next week? And I'm not pro- prophesying anything bad, but who knows what's coming next week? Everything is just shifting all around the world. Things are shifting all over the place. Nothing seems to stay stable for five minutes, does it? But where we can find our short and our firm foundation is in Jesus himself. And what the Bible talks about is, is that God came, came as, a, as a man or came in human form to... You know, two thousand years ago, and and lived on this earth. You know, and lived a, a, a perfect life. And then it says he, he died on a cross, and that was all part of God's plan. Jesus wasn't a martyr; he wasn't murdered. It was. It's really important to understand that Jesus. This was all part of God's plan. Jesus was letting it all happen. You know, his disciples were like, well, why why don't you stop this happening, Jesus?" And he was like, "Do you think I can call ten thousand leaders of angels to get me off the, to come and rescue me here? Of course I can. This is this is God. This is God's plan. You're missing the point." And it says, so he came to earth, he spent three years of ministry from 30 to, 30 to 33, and died at 33 and gave his life, and the Bible says he then rose from the dead, he beat death itself. But the reason he died on the cross was to take the punishment for anything we could ever, we'd ever would do wrong, and the Bible calls it sin, which would be a big scary word, but it just means anything we've ever done wrong. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've, unless you've lived a perfect life, and if you've lived a perfect life, I'd love to chat about how you've done it, <laughs> But I think, for all honest with ourselves, we, none of us have lived perfect lives, right? I agree. It's just just me, okay. <laughs> none of us have lived perfect lives. We've all done things we shouldn't have done. We've you know we've 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 had we've had lust. We, we've stolen stuff. We, we've lied. We've been horrible to people. We've talked behind people's backs. You know, they, those could be examples, right? I mean, I've murdered anybody, but even if you had, there's still forgiveness in God, right? But, so, you know, it's not kind of grading different things. You may think, well, I haven't been too bad. No, what the Bible says, We're all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That you need, you need God. Because God is holy and because he's perfect that anything we do wrong will cause a barrier between us and God. So, so that was dealt with through Jesus and his death on the cross. So you can know what, what, the, what, the, what the queen knew. You can know what those of us who are believers here this morning, what I know in my own life. You can know reconciliation, forgiveness, love, acceptance, and healing and i'm just going to pray a prayer in a, in a, in a second and i'm just going to, and this is a great opportunity for you to for you to invite jesus into your life you can know his love his acceptance his grace his peace you can know what it is anything you've ever done wrong maybe look back at your life and you think how could god ever love me i want to say to you this morning he does love you he wants to forgive you he wants to come into your life he wants to build relationship with you, he wants you to know the promise of eternal life, just like the Queen knew. She knew, she knew where she was going, she knew where she was heading. And the Bible makes it very clear that we're eternal beings, that we will live forever, and where our where eternity is is going to depend on what, where our relationship with God was. Uh, but Jesus made, made a way. Remember, he, he said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Let's all just stand this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer now and encourage you if this, is, if this is something you want to do this morning, and I'd encourage you to do it, it'll be the best, trust me, it'll be the best decision you'll ever make. is to invite Jesus into your life and say, Yeah, I want his love and his acceptance, I want his forgiveness. If you want to know that sure, firm foundation, maybe all kind of crazy stuff is going on in your world, you can know that solidity of building your life. On Jesus, and you start to see those circumstances change, the situations change, and you start to change. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Thank you for coming to Earth, to die on the cross for me, in order to forgive my sin. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to forgive me, to make me whole, to make me new. I want to live for you. I want your love and your grace and your peace in my life. I want to know the promise of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everyone to just, just keep your eyes closed. Well, if you've never, ever prayed a prayer like that before, never, ever done that, and you prayed that this morning, you've meant it with all of your heart, if you've meant it with all of your heart, God has come into your life this morning, I promise you. But what I want you to do, just whilst no one else is looking, is just raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that prayer. I want God in my life. I want him to change me. I want, want to live for him. Don't miss your opportunity. Is there anyone this morning? Praise God. And if you want to know more about just the Christian faith, we'd love just to chat with, come and chat with us, myself and my, my wife, Wendy. Come and chat with us afterwards. We'd love to talk to you about that more. Thank you, God. Lord, you're so, so good. What a wonderful saviour you are. Lord, as a people of God, Lord, we choose to be a people, Lord that, Lord, that keep you at the center of our lives. Keep you at the center of all that we are, kind of that, that pizza, that, that, those sections, segments of our life, Lord, to keep you at the middle of it all. Lord, change us, guide us, correct us. Lord, do what you need to do in us, Lord God. Lord, but we want to be more like you, Lord. We want to be fruitful, Lord. We want the fruit of the Spirit to operate in our lives. Lord, we want to Lord, live out your purposes and plans. Do what you need to do in us, Lord Jesus. Lord, we endeavour to keep you at the centre of a lot of our individual lives, as a church body, as a church family, to keep you at the centre of all that we do as a church. Well, it's all about you and always will be all about you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, remain at the centre of it all. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.